But we've been speaking about the armour of God lately. The metaphor of our Christian life. And we've learnt that it is intended to cover it. We, we intended to cover ourselves with the full armour of God, not just one or the other. Go with the full armour of God, to suit up. The question asked today, are you expecting a fight? The only reason we put armour on is because we're expecting a fight. And this Christian life we walk is no walk in the park. We're going to read from Ephesians 6 again. chapter, uh, Chapter 6, verse 10 to 17. Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power which is the whole point of this armour, his power we're putting on. Put on the full armour of God so that you can make your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against powers and this world's darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, take up the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes... You will be able to stand your ground and having done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, the breastplate of righteousness arrayed and your feet in readiness of the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. So today we're talking about the shield, the helmet and the sword. And I ask the question, is it enough? Have you asked that question about armour? Is that enough? Is it enough to protect us? The shield of faith. I have it right here. See that? Can you see that shield? You can't see it yet? This shield of faith... If it was a real Roman shield, it would have been made out of wood, stood about that high, covered in leather, and knowing that I was going to battle the next day, I would have soaked it in water. A little bit stupid because it made it twice as heavy, but remember the flaming arrows that Paul talked about? As soon as it stuck into a wet shield, it would extinguish it. The other feature of a Roman sword is that they would... They would fit together. They would be interlocking. The idea that um, when Paul penned these, uh, this, this, this metaphor down of the shield of, of something that of our faith can be interlocking with others, can join with others so that, that we not only protect ourselves but the man next to us. Interlocking faith. Praying and believing together. Watching out for the guy next to me. Just how a church should work, right? No one walks alone. But this is, this is our shield here, this, this metaphor of a shield. And I know we, it is, the whole thing's a metaphor. The whole, the whole armour is just a metaphor of the way of a Christian life. Uh, it's, it's Paul trying to describe something else. He's, he's trying to explain how to be prepared. It's kind of a parable, really. But if there is any, any part of the analogy of the, the armour that Paul talks about that is both 
uh, invisible literally and figuratively, is the shield of faith. Invisible. What, is, what does it say in Hebrews 11? Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, uh, so, uh, hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed by God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. You and I are heading off into battle with an invisible shield. That's a comfort, isn't it? Just a pretend one? No, it's not pretend, but it's invisible. And from the time of Christ right up till now, it is the thing that we've been mocked for as Christians. When the world sees that thing and they say, you will hide behind that, you'll use that to protect yourself. I can sometimes understand uh, why they think like that. Here's this invisible shield. What, what are we going to be like? Like mimes? You know, put the hands up in the thing and just pretend it's there? Our shield is invisible. Belief is uh, in what is unseen. Is it enough? Is our faith enough? Although this thing's invisible, it has great strength, but that strength is not coming from us, it's coming from the one who provided it. The one who gave it our shield. It doesn't come from us praying harder. It doesn't come from us believing harder. It just comes from the one who provided it in the first place. So let me tell you how this, this faith thing should work. We, we, um, if we're sticking with the analogy of war and battle and everything, we are, the first thing we do in our faith walk with this shield is we are to wait. We're to wait for the command from our captain or general. And then, if, if this was even medieval warfare, we would be, you know, we're all dressed up with all the tin man sort of armour. So if this was medieval, we'd be following our king into battle. And we would be waiting for his command. That sounds a bit familiar, doesn't it? I sometimes think faith has less to do with believing and more to do with listening and obeying. I've seen from time to time women, men and women will use this, this shield, this, this invisible shield of faith, sometimes as, as a weapon. It's not a weapon. There's only one offensive, offensive weapon in our whole arsenal, and we'll talk about that later. But the shield is always meant to be a defence. But you'll sometimes see in, in throughout the history of church, you'll use that faith as a shield. Uh, it is a shield. Use that shield as a weapon and push forward when it shouldn't be used that way. You'll see that there, people will, if we're still using the analogy of war, right, with all the shields, someone will walk out of line, away from the group, first mistake, because now the, the shield wall's gone, there's a big hole. They walk out by themselves and they're just, just pushing forward. I'm pushing forward in faith, you know. I'm believing no matter what the cost. We, can't, we can sometimes see this at the moment in our world with this pandemic where some Christian leaders, you see it in America quite a bit, and they're just pushing forward. We're pushing forward in faith, praise God. We're just going, we, it's our right to meet in large groups 
And uh, regardless if there's a pandemic or a virus or whatever, we won't get the virus as long as we have faith. It's just using that shield as a, as a weapon. Pushing forward, they haven't heard from their captain in any sort of command. They haven't heard anything that they're responding to in obedience. They use their shield like a weapon and it always ends badly. And make no mistake, when we do follow our captain, our king into battle, he can take us into some scary places. He can take us places that are testing and frightening. And that's why we need a shield. To protect ourselves and protect each other. It's ironic, don't you think, that even though this shield of it's invisible, it protects us from the main enemy of faith, which is also invisible. Our enemy of faith is fear. Fear of something that might happen in the future, something that might happen down the track. The invisible thing that might get us one day. It's kind of relevant today in a, in a pandemic, isn't it? I have to say, when I first heard the words back in March of a pandemic and maybe the next global depression, fear kind of gripped me for a little while too. For some of us, it grips us still. And the antidote to that fear is always faith. As we listen to our captain and king, we pick up our armour daily in prayer, we pick up our shield and we follow where he calls us, follow where he leads one day at a time. And we need to be very careful of a counterfeit faith too. Sometimes the people that mock us for having this invisible shield will be the same ones that put all their faith in the money they have in the bank or that they have enough superannuation for retirement or that they're in the right relationship. All those things are fine and good, but they are never to be things to put your faith into. They are never to things to have your trust completely in. They are counterfeit. If I can only stockpile enough toilet paper, I'll be right in this pandemic. I'll have faith in that. See, our faith doesn't look like much. And the world mocks us for it. But it's enough. It's enough for what we do. Jars of clay sing that song, Faith Enough. The ice is thin enough to walk on. Bridge is weak enough to cross. Body frail enough for fighting. Home enough to know I'm lost. The land unfit enough for planting. Barely enough to conceive. Poor enough to gain the treasure. Another spirit to believe. Our faith is enough. Now the helmet. I know what you're thinking. My head's too big for it. Some of you, anyone over 45 are thinking Dad's army, right? <laughs> and everyone under 45 is thinking Dad's what? Dad, what? Who are you talking about? This is an actual World War II helmet. Um, it's got DR written on the front. It meant driver. In case the guy wearing it forgot his job, he just had to look, oh, that's it, I'm my driver. <laughs> Have you ever looked at armour sometimes and you think, what's the point? 
if you watch some movies and you just see bullets flying everywhere, and what is the point of wearing this stuff? This was supposed to, you know, the main rifle in World War II was a 303. How's that going to stop a 303 projectile? For those who don't know, the, the 303 is a, a measurement of an inch, so 0 0.303 of an inch. Okay? It's an imperial <laughs> measurement. That's one of the larger rifles around. You go straight through that thing. And this helmet that is supposed to protect us in this spiritual battle is called salvation. You know, back in the 90s, there was a, a cartoon. All those my age will remember Ren and Stimpy, don't you? The absolute epitome of, of cartoon violence. Ren was a little chihuahua and Stimpy was a, a cat. And Ren was kind of grumpy all the time and... Stimpy, Stimpy was happy and go lucky and a bit thick, but uh, but he's happy all the time. And he, with this particular show, he didn't think Ren was happy enough. He was a bit grumpy, so he thought he'd design for Ren a, called something called a happy helmet. He invented this thing and stuck it on his head when he wasn't watching, and it forced him to be happy. So he, for the rest of the show, he walked around with a silly, tortured grin on his face. Trying to be, trying to be happy, but just tortured the guy. At the end of the, there's this song at the end of the show, and he got happy, happy, joy, joy, and he just in the, through the beat of the song, he gets, takes a hammer to the thing and tries to belt it off. Some some might think this helmet we call salvation is about a religion trying to control our thoughts. Excuse me while I muck around with it. Yes. A religion that... Uh, it's another thing the world mocks us for. Something that, that is brainwashing us. Something we, we follow this mindless religion that's dead and out of date. Brainwashed. You see, sometimes the things that go on in our heads can be our worst enemy. This is where doubts can arise. This is where ungodly thoughts can happen. This is where secrets can fester and grow. And as a man, I know some of the things that us men think about from time to time. And if you know what I mean, wink at me. I, I'd like to tell you how women think too, but there hasn't been a college professor that's worked that out yet. All sorts of thoughts can go through our mind and not all of them are from God and some of the women are having some of those thoughts towards me now. <laughs> um, but that's exactly how freedom should work, shouldn't it? We should have this, this freedom. He's not, God isn't con interested in putting some sort of control on our minds or some sort of brainwashing on our minds to, to make sure we think how he wants us to think. It is a freedom. Instead, we are to take every thought captive, the Bible says. In Corinthians 10.5, it says, we, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. This is where the Christian needs to be honest. 
This is where we come before God in prayer and we're honest with him. These, God, these are my thoughts, these are my doubts, these are my fears. I take captive all of them and I make them obedient to you. Sort out the fact from fiction. Sort out the faith from fear. Sort out the godly from the ungodly. And how does God, how does Christ respond to that prayer? He gives us a helmet called salvation. It's a common theme in the Bible. Whenever you, when the person's head is spoken about, you'll see it in Revelation quite a bit. You know that the Antichrist seeks to put a mark on the heads of those that, that follow him. It speaks of ownership. It also talks about God putting a spiritual mark on his people. Because I own them. There's a, um, and this helmet called salvation, we need to remember, whenever our thoughts uh, float around our head, whatever thoughts float around our head, we are still his children. We still belong to him. We belong to Christ and are saved through him. And he gives us the helmet. The shield doesn't look like much, but it's enough. The helmet doesn't look like much. But it's enough. Don't be afraid. This is a sword. It's not even a real sword. I'd like to say it's an antique, but it's not that either. The, the made in India sign on it says a giveaway. And only an idiot would run his finger. Ah. No, it's not sharp. I thought, I thought we'd use it as a new social distancing rule. <laughs> Think? We used to talk about um, the old medieval knights. Remember that when we were kids? When the Arthur and Round Table and all that dressed up in their silly armour and uniform, you can't move in the thing. It's just a slit in the eyes to see. But we would talk about the knight's virtue. Two things that should be a knight's virtue. And two biggest things that stands out would, would be a knight must be honest and brave. When we're talking about a helmet... When we're talking about bringing our thoughts to God, we need to be completely honest to him and truthful to our God with our thoughts. When it comes to the sword, the time has come to be brave. These are the times when we're called to say something or do something more than just words. This is the Spirit working through us to accomplish what God intended. This is what preachers pray for. Because without the, the Spirit of God anointing the words I say, this today is just a performance. We pray things like, God, take these feeble words out of my mouth and use them to make a difference. Cause the greatest impact and change lives. It cannot just be only an intellectual exercise. It can't be all about illustrations and funny stories. It can't be just about silly hats and shields. Unless the Spirit of God, God anoints what I'm saying, then I'm just a noise. I'm just a clanging symbol. How many times have we seen the prayer of a, a simple prayer of a child make the biggest impact? Spoken from the heart and used powerfully by the Spirit. You know, there's another type of sword spoken about in Scripture it's definitely related to each other. And Paul says here in, in Ephesians that the sword of the Spirit and the Word of God are the same thing. 
in Hebrews 4.12, we're told that the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating even to the soul and joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. In other words, it can cut through the toughest bits. The Roman soldier would have known what that meant. We don't have any experience with that at the moment, but um, I can tell you that my butcher that was at my place last week cutting up one of our steers to put in our freezer, we do that every, month, every six months or so, fills the freezer, it's a good thing. You see him working with a knife and he knows where to put it and has to click, scratch it through the joint and pop it open and where he can't, he has to use a cleaver and even when he divides the whole beast in two, he'll use a chainsaw with no oil in it. So just cut down through with a chainsaw. Getting hungry? No? It's the, the sword described in Hebrews is a, is a sharp sword indeed to cut through the hardest bits, the hardest heart, the words spoken at the right time to say the right thing. We just have to be brave enough to use it. We need to pray for this too, we pray for the opportunity for the right thing to say at the right time. Have we been using our sword? As if we, the sort of thing we don't continue to use, it can go rusty, it can go blunt. How well do we know our Bible? See, some of you are preachers. Some of you are kids workers who can speak on a kids level. Some of you are house group leaders. We just need to be brave enough to pick up our sword and have a go. And use it for what God had purposed it for. Faith is hearing the voice of our captain and king, having the courage to follow where he leads. The shield of faith doesn't look like much, but it's enough. It's enough. Jesus said if you just had faith like a mustard seed, it'd be enough. Our helmets say that we belong to God. If we're honest with our deepest thoughts of our mind, we bring it to God in prayer. It doesn't look like much, but it's enough. And we get ready to use our sword, you'll need to be brave. The sword may not look like much, but when the Spirit anoints the things you say it will be more than enough and it will have the impact it was always intended for. Let's pray. Lord, we can react many different ways when we see this picture of, of what a Christian life should look like. The Christian in armour, the metaphor of all these things and what they mean. But Lord, we trust you and we say today that the things you've given us are enough. You've given us faith enough to follow you, to, to obey your command. You've given us the helmet of salvation that it's enough. You've given us your sword, the sword of the Spirit. It's enough to do the job you've called us to do. We pray that we are all brave enough to use it. And we commit this word to you, Lord. May it achieve everything you've intended these words to mean, to come across and, and to say whatever you wanted to say, to penetrate every heart you wanted to penetrate. 
to penetrate every thought you wanted to affect. We leave that with you in Jesus' name. Let the Spirit do its work this morning. Amen.